Hello and welcome back to Simple Social Sciences. Today we are carrying on our approaches unit. We're almost at the end and we are looking at the psychodynamic approach. I'm not going to lie, this is a bizarre approach. You're going to be shocked. You're going to be confused. So I need you to make sure you're comfortable because this will take some time. You should have a pen and paper in case there are some things you need to jot down and revisit because you were just so confused. I've tried to keep it as simple as I can. So let's just try to cover the following objectives. One, we need to explain the structure of the mind and how this influences behavior, according to Freud. Two, explain the structure of the personality and how this influences behavior. Three, describe the psychosexual stages. And we have to refer to the concept of fixation because this explains behavior and how this shapes the adult personality. And four, we need to consider the strengths and weaknesses of this theory. Wish me luck. So, When we think of the psychodynamic approach, you're probably going to see the image of an iceberg. So if you Google it, you're probably going to see Freud iceberg. So have a think about how Freud might use the iceberg to explain the human mind. Well, according to the psychodynamic approach, behavior is influenced by different levels of consciousness. The conscious, the pre-conscious and the unconscious. Freud believed that the part of the mind that was inaccessible to conscious thought is known as the unconscious mind, and he used the metaphor of the iceberg to describe the mind. The tip of the iceberg, which is visible, represents the conscious, but the much larger part, which represents the unconscious, is hidden below the water. Freud believed that most of our everyday actions and behaviours are not controlled consciously. Instead, they're the product of the unconscious mind. These thoughts were then revealed in several ways, such as Freudian slips. And an example of this is calling your current partner by your ex's name because, according to Freud, they're deep in the unconscious and you slipped up and you were thinking of them and called them the wrong name. They can also be revealed in dreams. So common themes that are repeated in dreams or dreams that you keep having over and over. And also in fixated symptoms. And this can be explained later on when we look at psychosexual stages and how someone is fixated in one of these stages. The unconscious, according to Freud, extends its influence into every part of our waking lives. And Freud believed that the mind actively prevents traumatic memories from the unconscious escaping its way into the conscious mind because this could actually lead to a mental breakdown. Freud also divided the personality into three structures, which is the id, ego, and the superego. Each of these parts demand gratification, but they're constantly in conflict with the other parts. So the id is the first part we'll discuss, and it is a part of the unconscious mind. The id operates on the pleasure principle, so think of it as the id gets what the id wants. For example, if a person is hungry, the id demands that they are eating whatever they want to there and then. Only the id is present at birth and throughout life the id is entirely selfish and demands instant gratification of needs. You can think of the id as a little devil. I know a lot of people um, do think of it this way because it's easier to remember. Obviously, you know, it's not a devil. It's a part of the personality that's selfish, that's demanding instant gratification. The next stage is the ego and it's a part of the conscious mind. The ego works on the reality principle because it mediates between the impulsive demands of the id and the reality of the external world. For example, it may delay gratifying the id until there's a more appropriate opportunity to satisfy its demands. 
The ego develops at around two years old and its role is to reduce the conflict between the demands of the id and the superego and it does this through employing defense mechanisms. We'll go into that in just a bit. You can think of the ego as a referee. So we thought of the id as a devil, think of the ego as the referee between the devil and the final part of the personality which we're going to cover now. The superego is the final part of the personality to develop and it is part of the conscious and unconscious mind. It's based on the morality principle, which means it judges whether actions are right or wrong based on the moral standards of the child's same-sex parent. Violating the superego standards causes anxiety, and this anxiety is largely unconscious, but it may be experienced as guilt. It develops around the age of five. So remember our id was the devil, our ego is the referee, our superego is the superhero. It's going to be the easiest way to remember the differences between them. Id is the devil, ego, referee, superego is the superhero. Okay, so I mentioned earlier that the ego's job is to referee between the id and the superego, but the ego can find it difficult balancing these conflicting demands because they are so different. However, it's helped using defense mechanisms. These mechanisms will ensure that the ego is able to protect and prevent us being overwhelmed by temporary threats and traumas which the id may impose on us. However, they involve some sort of distortion of reality, so as a long-term solution they are psychologically unhealthy and undesirable, but in the short term it's supposed to help you deal with difficult situations. So there are three defense mechanisms. The first is denial. This is the outright refusal to accept or believe reality. So for example, if a wedding was called off, you know, they're not, this couple is not getting married anymore. Um, you can imagine denial as the bride continuing to plan for the wedding and which guests will be arriving in the catering when there is no wedding. The next is repression, and this is unknowingly placing an unpleasant memory or thought into the unconscious. One example of this is, you know, there are so many Netflix documentaries which involve this, repressed memories, um, usually involving some sort of abuse in childhood. Um, later on, in one of the documentaries that I watched, she remembered her school, and any time she thought of that school, she felt sick. She did not want to visit, she didn't want to go to any of her reunions. She wasn't really sure why she felt that way, until she went to therapy and those repressed memories of abuse around school age came out. So that is an example of repression. Finally, we need to know what displacement is. And this is redirecting unacceptable feelings from the original source to a safer substitute target. If we use an example of a teacher being annoyed by their boss and they can't argue back at their boss and they might then start on a student. So they're displacing their true anger at their boss on their student. So these defense mechanisms, as I said earlier, help the ego with that difficulty of balancing the demands of the id and the superego. So the next part of the psychodynamic approach that you need to be able to explain are Freud's psychosexual stages of development. So Freud believed that personality develops through a sequence of five stages at childhood. These are referred to as psychosexual stages to emphasize the most important driving force in development, which is, according to Freud, the need to express sexual energy, which is known as libido. And this is where things start to get a little bit weird, so be prepared. 
So Freud believed that the individual experiences tension due to the build-up of this sexual energy and the pleasure that comes from its release, and at each stage the energy is expressed in different ways through different parts of the body. The first stage is the oral stage, and this is aged 0 to 1. The focus of pleasure in this stage of life is the mouth. The mouth is the focal point of sensation and this is represented in the way the child expresses their sexual energy because they are biting and sucking through feeding. The next stage is the anal stage developed around one to three because the focus of pleasure this time is the anus. The child gains pleasure from withholding and expelling feces in this stage. It's during this age that the ego starts to develop and the child becomes aware of the demands of reality and the need to conform to the demands of others. The next stage is the phallic stage, develops around three to five years old. Sexual energy, according to Freud, is now focused on genitals. The major conflict of this stage is the Oedipus complex, in which the male child unconsciously wishes to possess their mother and get rid of their father. As a result of this desire, boys experience castration anxiety, which is punishment from their father, and in an attempt to resolve this problem, the child identifies with their father. And it's through this that the superego is developed. Because they cannot be take the place of the dad, they become the dad by identifying with his morals and who he is as a person. It sounds bizarre, we're going to get into it in in a bit more depth after we go through all the stages. Okay, so latency is age 6 to 12. The child develops their mastery of the world around them and during this stage, the conflicts and issues of the previous stages are repressed. The final stage is the genital stage, which occurs after 12 years old. So this is around the onset of puberty when sexual desires have now become conscious. So this is basically the child has grown up. That's the final stage. Okay, so as I mentioned earlier, the phallic stage is quite an important stage according to Freud because during the phallic stage, the superego develops and that is the development of morality. So Freud first heard about sexual issues related to parents when children were around four to five years old and he explained the sexual focus by showing genitals were the area for sexual pleasure at the phallic stage during this age. Somehow, Freud concluded that boys had an unconscious or boys had unconscious sexual feelings towards their mother and this led to feelings of guilt and fear of the father because the boy wanted to take the father's place and this fear took the form of castration anxiety. Because this fear and guilt was quite hard for the boy to deal with, he resolves the conflict by identifying with and becoming his father. Identification is a key concept in this stage because it's through this identification the boy takes on the father's beliefs and values and this identification leads him to develop his superego. So remember we said the superego is the identification and the morals and values of the same-sex parent and it comes through this stage, the phallic stage. Now these ideas were problematic for many, many, many reasons. But one of these reasons is that Freud argues females have an underdeveloped superego because they never experienced castration anxiety. This is because Freud claimed that females believed they had a penis which was castrated, where the boys fear that castration might occur. So girls' identification with their mothers are less complete than boys with their fathers, meaning the superego for girls are weaker, so their identity as a separate independent person is weaker. So we can spot multiple flaws within this theory um, but keep this in mind because we will come back to this later 
While the sequences of psychosexual stages are biologically programmed, what's crucial is how the child is treated by others and especially the parents. So excessive gratification or extreme frustration can lead an individual to become emotionally stuck or fixated in a particular stage and this produces certain adult personality traits which are associated with that stage. In this way, Freud was able to explain how individual differences arise from common developmental patterns. And these are some descriptions of personality characteristics that could develop in later life if child is fixated in any particular psychosexual stage. So if fixation was to occur during the oral stage through, let's say, forceful feeding, a later behaviour could be an oral aggressive personality, um, which is shown through smoking, biting nails, being sarcastic, being really critical. You could also have deprivation or early weaning, which would lead to oral receptive personality, which can be shown through sucking their thumb, even at a later age. If an individual is fixated in the anal stage through harsh toilet training, this can lead to an anal retentive personality, where an individual is a perfectionist and they're obsessive, or if they were too lax in their toilet training, this could lead to an anal expulsive personality, which is someone who's thoughtless, reckless and messy. And finally, someone who might have been stuck in the phallic stage, who may have had an abnormal family setup, which could lead to an unusual relationship with their mother or father, could lead to a phallic personality, where an individual is narcissistic and reckless. Well done guys for making it this far. I hope it was simple. I've tried to keep it as simple as possible. Now all we need to do is think about the strengths and the problems of this approach. And believe me, there are many, many, many problems, but luckily we only really need to know two. So let's start off with something good, a strength of this approach. A strength of this approach is that it has been used to explain a wide range of phenomena. So it's been used to explain personality development, abnormal behaviour, moral development and gender. All of these have been explained using the psychodynamic perspective. It has also been significant in drawing attention to the relationship between experiences in childhood, such as Bowlby's maternal deprivation theory that basically says that early prolonged infant mother separation can lead to emotional and intellectual problems in later life. This supports the psychodynamic perspective as it demonstrates the significance of its contribution to the field of psychology. While the psychodynamic perspective is dominant and influential, the approach has been criticised for being gender biased. Freud's views of women and female sexuality were well less developed than his views on male sexuality. He basically viewed women as men without a penis. Dismissing women and their sexuality is a huge problem, but the reason why it's such a problem is because he treated many female patients and his theories are still influential today. This suggests the explanation lacks credibility because it's biased, inaccurate and doesn't really explain behaviour of women. The psychodynamic perspective has also been heavily criticised for being unfalsifiable. In order for a theory to be considered scientific, it has to be open to empirical testing and falsification. Many of the ideas that the psychodynamic approach presents, such as the id and that Oedipus complex, occur at the unconscious level. And because of this, it's difficult and maybe even impossible to test. So according to Popper, the psychodynamic approach could be seen as a pseudoscience, which is a fake science. As a result, this reduces the validity of the theory. Despite this, many of the claims of psychoanalysis have been tested and many of them have been confirmed using scientific methodology. 
One example is research done by Fisher et al, who conducted a meta-analysis of 2,500 studies and found support for the existence of unconscious motivation in human behaviour and defence mechanisms of repression, denial and displacement. So this scientific support demonstrates the high validity of the approach. Okay, I said this was going to be a long one. This is probably the longest session you will have to deal with because there was just so much information in this approach. My advice would be go over this and do a brain dump, which is basically write down everything you can remember from the approach on a bit of A4 paper and then using a different colour pen, try to explain the concepts on your sheet. That's a useful tool after you get lots and lots of information. Try to pull that all out on a piece of paper after you're done. So now, hopefully, you should be able to explain the structure of the mind according to Freud, explain the structure of the personality and how both of these influence our behaviour, as well as describing the psychosexual stages, fixation, and how that explains behaviour, as well as describing the strengths and weaknesses of the approach. Well done for making it to the end, if you did, which you should have. Um, If this was helpful, could you please give it a like, give it a share. If you are listening, can you please follow so you don't miss out on anything else. And I will now allow you to rest your headache.